millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You are listening to The Curator Podcast, Season 2, Episode 20, an interview with Outblinker. This interview was recorded in Outblinker's van and the whole band was in there. So the sound is a little bit strange, but not in a bad way, but worth mentioning anyway. Outblinker, full gentlemen, how are you? Good, good, good thanks, man. Good. good. Cool, we're here to talk about your new album. Oh <laughs> 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 my god, you're gonna have to tell us. It's, it's all in my head. It's all in my head. Somewhere. Where is the album? Uh, Where the fuck is it? <laughs> Luigi just told you, man. It's, it's entirely in Luigi's head and in his little black journal. Yeah, he carries Luigi. everywhere with him that has carefully taken notes. And on pretty much every date, it's got release album and it's scored out and moved on a week. <laughs> We're in 2018, it's not a moment anymore for albums to be released. They're just. You know? Albums are overrated. Yeah. <laughs> um, the album is, we, we basically recorded most of an album uh, when we went up to Orkney, some time ago now. And Two years? Coming up for that. Oh, yeah. So basically, Sorry. To, be, to be perfectly honest, <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah. Uh, a lot of that stuff though was at a pretty early stage and the lineup of the band changed. Like we were a five piece with Jason Costello on guitar, Graham's brother. Jason was Jason's inventing Skynet right now he's far <laughs> too busy Like he, he works in AI um, so we had to strip down to a four and we kind of felt there's no real point releasing a record that doesn't sound like the band as it is and even then we, the, the, the songwriting dynamic had changed a bit so we just were like we released one EP and it's a long EP it's like 24-25 minutes of the stuff from the album session originally then we just kind of turned the other stuff into demos and then have now turned them into a full set uh, some of which we're going to play tonight but, plus um, the songs that we actually recorded we then toured them and they changed so much that if we released the originals man it would have been totally different from what they've turned into as well so yeah I read that like I did a whole bunch of reading on interviews and interviews I could find yeah. <laughs> you guys um, and that kind of seemed to be one of the themes that kept coming up over and over and over again it's like uh, the music has changed so much when you go to learn, when you have to learn how to play it live Aye. like the organic kind of feel I mean, yeah. how do you guys go about writing? To, <laughs> so, is it so different that it has to be? Usually, like, it comes from like, coffee. completely uh, coffee, <laughs> coffee, <laughs> coffee, endless and coffee, coffee, and then <laughs> endless uh, improvisational jams that then we listen to later and structure songs from. Or sometimes guys come in with ideas. But yeah, it's, it, like, it varies. Even, uh, it's hard to give you one consistent answer, even just to that, because a lot of the stuff, especially originally, came from elongated jams and taping them and pulling out good bits, but. Increasingly, like Luigi and myself would just jot down the ideas using just basic synth programs on phones and stuff, and then bring it to David and Graham, and they would just completely run with it and add stuff to it. And what's become the problem really is all these songs could perpetually evolve and end up constantly changing and constantly being refined. It's it's finding a time when we all agree and we all have the resources and the the the, the time, frankly, to, to just commit and get them down on record and right there's there's a, there's a snapshot of that song at that point 
and in two years time it'll probably be quite different but it's really just coordinating like that and since Jason left again that's been something that we've had to grapple with we're definitely dragging our feet we're all hyper aware of the fact that we're well behind schedule but currently you change your sound as well no? I mean, yeah the, the, one year was like reworking working on leading up a new set with new sounds without a guitar player so Chris yeah, and David did have to swap the road, huh? Yeah, we were rearranging almost, eh? We were like, okay, some synth lines had to then be moved to guitar to yeah. find out who's got a free hand. So <laughs> but Jason, used to, Jason used to play it like this, so like, <laughs> maybe I'll play it differently like this. And it, we we dabbled with the idea of getting another guitarist, but to be honest, it, it didn't. This is this has been a pretty consistent band, and a lot of the reason that this band works is because the, the dynamic between us is so good. And I don't think there were a lot of lovely people who were interested in doing it. And yeah, it just it just nice. didn't really feel right. It felt like I don't want to upset the kind of balance of the chemistry in the band and so yeah, they we, understood that though. Yeah. Plus it's a bit more punk rock as a four piece. Like genuinely like easier to fit on the small stages that we play <laughs> Yeah, I mean Jason Duran Duran. More more Duran Duran and less yeah, less sun. <laughs> Jason's sensibilities are a lot more dimmy and yeah, I share a lot story, of them but so we're a bit more draw. kind of electro punky now rather than a bit sharper, a bit faster and more a bit dancier. more succinct, yeah, yeah. It's a lot easier to get people to go on tour as well, and it's only four years as opposed to five. 100%. <laughs> yeah, no, that is amazing. Purely, e- I'm, I'm dressing up. It was just economic reasons. We wanted to get in a Ford Fiesta. That's it. <laughs> you, you guys have seemed to tour quite a lot recently. Always seem to look like we're on Facebook, you're always the fucking on tour. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Taking videos of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all the time. We did, uh, you know, two European tours, three. one UK, three. three. Yeah, yeah, three. three years. Years. And then another one uh, in October. Just forget it, all right? Just yeah. forget all, all the time. What <laughs> 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 um, I think, again, we're kind of quite aware of the fact that we sort of neglected playing UK shows. A lot of that, to be fair, is because the terms and the treatment and the DIY scene in the UK is not up to the same standard as Europe. Um, so we got into the habit of more or less skipping the shows here. Dodging it. Yeah, and just getting to the continent and trying to like make a like accumulate a bit of money to make a release possible. Um, the shows, you know, like it or not, the payment is just generally better. The, the treatment's better, you know. So, and I think it's more of an adventure as well, you know. So, we just recently finished a UK tour, and that was kind of like, right, guys. We need to just go to England. <laughs> Nobody's happy about it, <laughs> but we need to just. I was happy. But the people come from uh, that country called the Europe. <laughs> that I really love, uh, my country called the Europe. <laughs> I mean, and in fairness, we got really lucky. Apart from one of the shows, which had some. It was a little bit disappointing the way it went down um, because we ended up not getting paid. The other Shocking. shows and. The circumstances of the shows were way better than they used to be. Um, some of the places we discovered, like the old England and Bristol, and the uh, what was it? Uh, Drop the dumbbells in Liverpool. Yeah, they're they're, they're like amongst yeah, the best venues. Shout out to those guys, man. Yeah, Drop the, dumbbells in Liverpool. Check those guys. Dumbbells. Out. Dumbbells. Dumbbells. No, I used to, dumbbells. The bar used to Manchester. be called <laughs> the Bulls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 So we were pleasantly surprised, but we've kind of neglected the UK stuff and done the European stuff. And lo and behold, we're away for another five weeks to Europe in October as well. So. That's something that um, that's really interesting you bring that up because um, it's not really been so much about on this podcast because it's mostly like American people I speak to and they have just like UK is part of Europe, right? And they have a great time no matter where the fuck they go. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, every single person that's in a band in Scotland or even a bit in England as well is like it's almost always so much better in Europe for playing shows. Like yeah. always, it's so much better than playing here. Why is this so different? Um, I've kind of got a theory on this, but it's based a wee bit on promoting in the sense that. UK is kind of internationally seen as being like the centre of something 
you know, and I think as a result of that, there's a sort of very subtle sense of entitlement and less of a sense of people willing to invest in their local scene. And I, I know that's a very broad stroke, but I just mean in Europe it seems like people come to see a show because the show is on and the promoters have made a lot of effort, but we have a lot, we have families coming down, we have people with kids with ear protectors coming down. It's a very, um, they're very close-knit scenes, and whilst that is the case in some places in the UK, including in Glasgow, a lot of the time it feels more like you turn up and the bar's like, there's a stage, do your gig, I'll give you 8% of half of what comes in the door minus the cost to feed my dog. And it's like, you know, it's kind of, it's just a little bit, there just seems to be a little bit more of a sense of entitlement. And I think that's magnified again when you consider London, not meaning to be too anti-London, but even just the bands that come up to Scotland from London, I, I genuinely feel the standard, with some notable exceptions, tends to be slightly low because they get signed earlier. It's the centre of everything. They feel like everything should come to them. Subtly, I mean, these are like very... You only notice this over a long period of time, but um, it's been pretty consistent, I think, in my experience at least. So playing in the UK... It's harder to find these really enthusiastic spots and these groups of promoters, you know, people like when in Sperm in Glasgow and the people in Drop the Dumbbells in Liverpool, who are really into it for the love of it and they, they pour their heart and soul into it and, you know, go to the cash line to make sure bands get paid and things like that, which, as I said, certainly in our London show, did not happen. Well, you know, it's a busy show and we didn't get paid. So it's, yeah, it's hard not to see that pattern forming especially when you've done so many tours and you go to Europe and that's never happened. I definitely see also as like the cultural attitudes to music different. When you, as soon as you go over to Europe, you feel more like, almost like you're providing a service for everyone and everyone's like, oh, the musicians have arrived, absolutely amazing, we'll cook you home, home-cooked home food and we'll pay you well and treat you amazingly, give you a great place to stay. And I, over in the UK, you would think that would be the same, but it just it isn't. To be honest, I don't think it's, it's maybe, our experiences anyway. It's maybe worth saying that we do we do speak to some of our friends in Europe, and they do they do remind us that we're kind of lucky to be working on certain scenes there. And there are many places in Europe that don't treat you as well as that. And there are many incidents, especially in places like Paris, where bands don't get paid and things like that. They do yeah, remind yeah, yeah. us don't don't over romanticise it, but it has just been our overall impression. You know, get treated better. The friends that I've had as well, apart from the London situation, which apparently is very hard for most bands, unless you're really big and signed, or you're signed to get a guarantee anyway, which Absolutely. is yeah. obscene for the one of the richest cities in the world. And for one of the hardest cities to not only get to, but get into. Yeah. Like, getting into London, people forget, like, you get to the outskirts of London, yeah, it's not that bad. <coughs> half to get the journey. In it. Yeah, yeah, it's half the journey. And it, then you've got the constant threat of fines if you're driving, the constant difficulty parking, the constant... You know, it's it's a very stressful experience playing in London, unless, like you said, you're of a certain level. But I mean, yeah, yeah. playing in Europe as well is something. I mean, hopefully, if people in other younger bands who are like, maybe not played in Europe um, would hear this, and like, it's a thing you would only know through experience, like of, of being in bands before and of having done it in the past, yeah. to know that hang on, there's a better life out there for bands, and it's just yeah, it's just over there. Even, and even <laughs> then, going there can sometimes impact positively in your reception at home because people see you playing out there, and they're like, "Oh, these people are being serious about this. They're not, they're not just you know, they're not just dossing about and playing to their pals. They're actually taking a risk." And then when you come back to the UK, you do pick up the odd slightly better show, you know, because people have seen you playing X venue that they've you know, there there is a benefit from it from a kind of business point of view in terms of your UK shows as well. So was that was that a goal you started out then? Was it to get out there straight away? Our first show was was even in Glasgow. Our first ever show was yeah, but this with this band, I absolutely for me, I've been playing since like two thousand. I started like Dead American with my friends, and we played for about 
seven or eight years minimum before we went to Europe. And um, and our first year, <laughs> first European experience was bittersweet because we got trapped in Prague for four days. <laughs> um, but that was kind of breaking the seal on going to Europe. And then when me and David uh, did the enemy, um, we made it like a priority to try and go to Europe as often as possible. And so we really started focusing on that and built up a lot of contacts with those bands. This really helped this band as well. Um, likewise with Luigi and Kabobo. And I think Young Philly, if you guys had stuck at it, would have. That's a natural place. Yeah, you would have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it, it didn't. But you don't drive. Dead in American, for example, we spent years playing in the UK, and we, we yeah. certainly had our fair share of frustrating grey M6 traffic jams. You know? <laughs> that's the part. I guess that's just something like I say. Experience it all comes back down on that, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, so I'm also kind of wondering that um, when it comes to like the formation of the band now and the way that music has changed. I mean, is that something that you were expecting to happen when you when yeah, things yeah. changed that it was going to, when you had a Sunday leave is that something you were expecting to happen? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, when Jason left, he uh, had so much of a sound already that he brought to the band, and uh, we knew that we would never could never recreate his sound, so we thought of trying adding different ways of um, communicating different music. So when David and Chris play guitar, it immediately sounds different. So we know we can't replace Jason. So we'll go somewhere another direction we do try to look like we're not having fun so it's like Jason is there but <laughs> we can copy the sound <laughs> no, we just put it up and naturally we just also we bought new equipment you know lots of new synthesizers we changed the, the setup we improved the, the sound so we got new amplifiers we found a way to kick them in for just buy new gear <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know, yeah. I don't know the palette of colors changed no? like, yeah, we really true. have more yeah. uh, Frequency modulation synthesizers, we have like virtual analog, analog synths, ultra amplifiers, I don't know, it's, we've got sequencers as well, so some songs have like this kind of patterns, so they're more electro, so we, ju- we just worked out everything. I think as well, like, see based on what Luigi's saying yeah. as well, like, because we wanted to do everything without laptops, that was, the, that was the really simple premise of the band, it was like, how can we make like electronic music to some extent without any laptops on the stage because the lack of performance in that sometimes drives me nuts. Don't get me wrong, there's a lot of skill involved in it, but sometimes I just want to see everything being ripped from zero mm-hmm. and it's like, and therefore, you know, the potential for everything to fall apart to zero, you know, and it's that, that edginess with music that makes <coughs> it exciting and unpredictable. But when we did the recordings in Orkney with Ben and then working with Ben in the production, Ben obviously has done Fuck Buttons and Blank Mass and even just it seems really simple, but the frequencies he made us aware of that we were ignoring in our music had a big impact on the equipment that we had. And we went back, and we're friends with Ben, and he kind of gave us a bit of advice, and just some of the stuff we started replacing, it was to get a better spread of tones and really try and invest in the quality of the sounds that were coming out. Because I don't mean like we half-assed it, we made, we made a lot with very little to start with, but it was on us to gradually improve that, you know. Otherwise, we'd have kind of got trapped in it, stuck in a rut. I just play any droney stuff forever. Uh, so Ben's experience and producing with him really made us realise, you know, for example, we need to start filling this frequency because we're just neglecting it. We need to do this. We need to do this, and that's kind of made it more professional as well. It gave us a little bit of like uh, another dimension to how we examine a song and how it's coming together. That yeah, sounds yeah. really boring. So it's, no, it's no, like no, incredibly it's like we, we behind the music. Sound on sound kind of interview. But. I think it's really interesting because <laughs> like. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. 
That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If things like that, if certain frequencies are missing, you're going to naturally not notice that when you're playing live. Yeah, you know, because I mean, the volume yeah. tends to mask mm-hmm. it. But see, when you get the stuff on record and turn the volume down, you're like, what is this lacking? Yeah. And sometimes it takes that second opinion, third opinion, that fresh set of years to go, guys, there's nothing there. Like, there's a big space there. Why are you ignoring that? And you're like, ah, oh, I suppose it's always been so loud. I've never really thought about that. You know, and it's that is kind of the difference, you know, and um, it's nice to be able to bounce that off people. And that, that did affect the stuff we stepped by. And, and I know Luigi's choking to start talking about synths. So. <laughs> 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 he's talking about it now. Is it dark, dark, dark matter? Is that the new one? Dark energy too. Dark, dark, dark energy, energy too. Oh. The one is better, they say, but fucking hell, it costs much more. <laughs> and, so it was like, adding in more synths and kind of stuff like that, that I suppose that was an attempt to fill those frequencies live as well, so it must sound more devastating now when you play, when all that range is filled. Yeah, I think there's, yeah, I think when it gets heavy, it's a much more thick and even spread. It's not any louder, but it's certainly more saturated. But I would say probably also, though, in balance, because there's a, one of us that used to play synths is now playing guitar, there's actually less synths. It's just a better arrangement yeah yeah so there's 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 four people often with one guitar so it's really two synth players most of the time now um as opposed to three which in hindsight was maybe slightly overkill anyway but um (laughs) no chance (laughs) but yeah so i think we've just got better at kind of filling that so i mean yeah uh, hopefully hopefully it's 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 certainly no louder but hopefully we've got a better idea uh, just a slightly more grown-up idea of how to Utilize the frequencies so that things are heavy without Fuller. just being loud. Yeah, know? I feel like I, I don't know when I, when I hear you guys talking about it. For me, it's like I really I find it really interesting because it's like using all the tools that you can find in your art and in, in the sonic arsenal to enhance your creativity, which seems to very much be the way that you guys are. Oh, I mean, we've it. we've got bits in songs that Luigi literally during the song sellotapes down a key to fill a frequency <laughs> and starts playing a completely yeah, different yeah, set yeah, of yeah, keyboards. Yeah. It's like there's there's a yeah there's there's nothing wasted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is not really about the gears. You know, they're like the cool thing of synthesizers is that you can somehow, like, if, if a synth breaks, you can just replace it with another one. And, like, it happened to us. I don't know. Is there? Oh, we turned off a gig recently without one of the key bits of equipment. <laughs> Dave had a rendezvous in a park. Yeah, again. once. <laughs> just to, once just to the borrow a synth. Yeah, just to be clear. It's like yeah, a wire. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the wire. Less interesting. <laughs> more electronic sound then. Oh, more middle class, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is always good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
people wants to be poor. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh like, you're in a band, you can't be rich. It just doesn't happen. <laughs> so Luigi's, yeah, yeah, Luigi's got a palace in Brufa. <laughs> yeah, yeah, palace in Brufa. And there's a <laughs> <laughs> Palace and Brufa recording studio in George Square, but we're trying to hide it for credibility points. <laughs> Both uh, in Port Dandas is the next. <laughs> Port Dandas is not a party, it's just an area. No, Port Dandas. Port Dandas. There's no just party. Just keep talking. It's cool. Just... <laughs> no? it's cool. I've never seen a boat in Port Dandas. Like Mount Florida. It's not Florida. It's not anyway, it's not our mountain. It's not in the it's just outside. It's not You've got, got a Milne Gavi. Yeah, Milne Gavi. That's a good one. Mount Gavi. Yeah. And also, you want to talk about the Canby Sound? The Canby Sound. Canby you sound. want to talk about the Canby Sound? So we, we've got... I mean, you, you know where we rehearsed the, the disc? Oh, right, okay. Um, you know Canvas Lang in yeah. Glasgow? So we've we've got a practice room in Canvas Lang. And, and one of the key things for us developing the sound of the band is having a practice room where everything's set up, everything's mm. relatively safe. We can really... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> everyone's relatively safe. <laughs> Keyword relative. Turns out, though, Luigi scouted out the practice room when we were out of town. Right, so Luigi was like diligently like, and I appreciate it, I don't want to sound that ungrateful, but he was scouting out practice spaces and stuff, he's like, guys, oh, guys, uh, I found uh, the perfect practice space. <laughs> Perfecto. <laughs> Only one um, problem. <laughs> so we, went, we, we were like, right, just go for it, man, we're desperate, we get back, we've got an album coming up, let's, let's, let's do it. So we got back and he had the top level of like this abandoned kind of warehouse space in Canvas Line, which is, you know, that's pretty rough at the best of times, but we're like, cool. We had to practice one night and it turned out we couldn't practice because it also turned out that our downstairs neighbours are the Canvas Lang Rangers Orange Band. Oh, <laughs> you're a sample that for a record. Well, you say that, story right, that because well. there's quite a lot of them. Yeah, right? there's, there's many people in those kind of bands. I, and, and one night, Luigi, like Luigi's also in the band Kabobo, and him and David from Kabobo were jamming one night and they kind of left the door unlocked in the practice room. And a bunch of guys invited themselves into the practice room to have a wee stroll about. And don't get me wrong, a lot, a lot of the guys, especially the older guys, are really pleasant guys, right? That's politics aside. They're perfectly friendly to us, and there's almost the sense that because we're there, we're a little bit safer because no one will mess with their, <laughs> their patch. Bloody. But these guys invited themselves into the practice room with, you know, a few cans of brew, and they were kind of walking about. We've got all this gear there, and Luigi and David were a little bit intimidated got a language barrier um, the guys were like go on downstairs guys go on downstairs boys and they took them downstairs and I'm, I'm speaking for you here but um, basically you walked in and like the walls are like alternating orange and purple with portraits of the royal family around them and um, he was met by like and lots of blue and lots of blue, lots of, lots of blue yeah. and, picture um, of the queen all that kind of thing well he was <laughs> met by this guy this really burly skinheaded guy he was like alright wee man alright wee man my name's Bulldog yeah, yeah. And he like pulled up his sleeve and he had like a big tattoo of like a British bulldog in his arm. And he like lift apparently lifted a portrait of the Queen off the wall and was like and like what do you think of that? And he like kissed it and turned it round to Luigi and the kind of room went silent. It was one of those awkward things where is this gonna go yeah. one way or the other? And Luigi like after like a few seconds of hesitating kinda of went she's a very sexy lady <laughs> <laughs> and like again after a, an awkward pause the room kind of laughed on cue like that kind of movie style of like oh, this guy's alright and uh, yeah we seem to have been like pretty never been back there anyway <laughs> but there is, a, there is a video there is a video kicking about the ether and I'm sure the NSA can get it for you if you want that is Kabobo who are kind of sound a bit like lightning bolt jamming with the canvas lying orange band <laughs> yeah there's a video somewhere about that but anyway <laughs> and, the, and the drummer 
David is uh, a good friend, but looking Super fairly petrified. <laughs> <laughs> but Chris, uh, wouldn't wouldn't you say that our sound uh, in a way comes from the actual practice the, room? The, uh, the fear, the fear of death, <laughs> the sound, uh, the, the, the yeah, news. Fear. You know that can this kind of. It was a, it was a theme of the EP. Was just that like you know death awaits us all, and I was kind of inspired by it. <laughs> it's just out there. Yeah, it's like it's dark, uh, rainy, and then you have the machinery around, like... Oh yeah, there's, there's, like, a, there's like a metal, I don't know what you call it, yeah, a metal breaker's yard across from yeah, us. Yeah. A professional burner's next to it. Yeah, literally burn thing. thing. It's a disaster, man. It's like North Korea after, <laughs> you know, after the, the ultimate but, yeah, explosion. You know? Canvas Lang, as a result of all these factors, has, has developed a real distinct sound. It sounds very apocalyptic. <laughs> Even more apocalyptic is the fact that the week that Luigi moved us into that place was the week that a girl had gone missing in Glasgow and everybody was looking for her body at the time and they ended up finding it. It's a really sad story. But that same week, they found body parts in Canvas Lang just... So yeah, like, it was like 250 metres 250 metres from her practice room right? but it turned out it wasn't her so they kind of just threw them back <laughs> they were like ah, we don't know who that was it's not her keep looking guys and then no one's really spoken about it since and I looked her up to see if I'd imagined it and it, no it was, it was there it was like body parts found I don't know who it is it's just canvas lying doesn't it matter and it's nah. like <laughs> so that's carry on. That's that's the canby sound. That is that is. There's a distinct canby sound. I mean, the guys like Billy Gone and those guys, they're they're technically canby sound as yeah, well. Yeah, they're higher canby. They're upper canby. Yeah, upper canby, <laughs> upper canby. And uh, we're in a down canby. Also, yeah, downtown canby. You know, like, yeah, yeah. You know, like the, the environment is that. So uh, the music we do is not like samba. <laughs> samba you know, I call it like, samba, man. yeah. I don't know why you talk about making people dance and yeah, not people dance, but I want to. Make people feel uh, like uh, burned alive. Uh, da- dance like there's no in tomorrow. The bean, the orange uh, marches by bean. Uh, you know, that's that's yeah. what you feel. Uh. Sometimes if you listen to our demos, you can hear flutes in the background. <laughs> you should definitely release them. Okay. <laughs> one of the first, one of the first ever, ba- the first ever band I played in, um, the drummer uh, said he knew a place where we could go and practice, and we were like, all right, that's really cool. It's a place in Kelvin Hall, and he takes his doing this little fucking like white windowless building like, oh, that's just really really cool man it's like it can be like our own space walk in and it is an orange hall it's got fucking bullet holes in the door and stuff Amazing. man it's like abs- absolutely like we, we, like I, I was brought up catholic I don't care anymore but uh, at that at the age of 16 I was like fuck I was picture the creed above the stage and all that and we are like you can't buy that yeah, and I was just like yeah I guess I'll play some chords in here well, and see, I'm, see what happens. I'm almost reluctant to say, but at least three chords this band is actually, are actually Celtic fans. And we have to police our own uniform when we go to practice just to double check that we've not accidentally slipped a bit yeah, of green in no, no green allowed. No yeah, green allowed. And, and, and like I said as well, to be fair, like some of the older guys are actually just really nice. There's like a, a sense of like, it's not just a bit of a game. It's just like, it's like, yeah, right, this is what we do. <laughs> what he's been up to. You know, it's, it's, there is sort of like, this interview is going somewhere weird. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yep, they always do. It. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna, have, we're gonna, we're gonna have to change names and places. <laughs> yeah, it was better when I wasn't speaking at all and just watching <laughs> with the skin. It's getting also pretty steamy. It is stinky as well, like a Titanic, but with too many people in the same car. It's better than earlier on. Like, Luigi didn't tell us earlier on that he had. A gas cylinder in the back of this van, right? and so we picked him up. All right, Why? right well, because it can be it can be and yeah, okay, so it was, for, it was for the, yeah, the death room. The difference is though. <laughs> so Dave is sitting where Dave was sitting where you're sitting, 
right? And Dave didn't know that there was a giant gas <laughs> cylinder under the seat. And Dave sparked up a cigarette. But then even worse, Luigi sparked up a cigarette. <laughs> and he knew that. it was there. Yeah, like he, like, and then we hit the brakes because a car stopped in front of us suddenly. The, the thing rolled out and slammed into the back of Graham's legs and nearly like, like, legs. clattered off the metal. That's like, how we found out about it. Yeah, that's how we found out. And these <laughs> guys were sitting there with lit cigarettes at the time. That's the kind of disregard for safety <laughs> that practicing can be. Someone put it there and I didn't know. Now after I did it, there. Fake news, mate. Fake news. I could be the yeah. strap like I really don't care about their own personal safety. <laughs> no, I don't. But also, the good thing is when these things happen, at the end of the day, you say, see, I'm alive, so I have my reason to smile before I go to sleep. <laughs> Otherwise, I would be just sad. Do you do this to a sad day where nothing happens. You know, it's, it's Italian, mate. Yeah, I can understand why you go to Europe now just to get the fuck right <laughs> out of this place <laughs> as far away as possible. Yeah. Oh my god, don't like honestly, yeah. man. Some of the some of the experiences, especially in Italy, are amongst the most harrowing experiences of my life. So, <laughs> fucking medieval cities, like you know, narrow like a tuna can. Uh, <laughs> you are there with a, an airplane uh, trying to to drive and and people, oh, you know, like god. be a macho, come here, you can make it. <laughs> Even a train could go through the street and actually, you know, they're just made for horses. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Even the police is struggling. That's why so many many criminals, because the police is stuck on these fucking roads. (laughs) No one can do anything. People die in these roads. (laughs) You try to squeeze (laughs) this van down those roads, basically. We found a bigger van, almost genuinely almost wedged in the, the, the depths. Of Perugia. What would happen? Like, an helicopter? Or I, th- I think they would have to cut it. They have to cut it. They had to cut it. Yeah, I was so scared. I was like, you know, like... Yeah, he, he, he blanked out. Like, he literally went catatonic yeah. in front of... We were shouting at him and there was no no registration at all. And the whole, the whole town was queued up behind us. They were all shouting at us. People were coming out of restaurants and screaming at us. And he, he just completely guy, zoned out. And there was like an old guy who was like, Oh, Luigi, it's you. Like, oh, no, it's I'm in a bit of a situation. I was like, I can't believe it. I met you after 20 years. No, 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 it's called Nicolia, that guy. And it's very strange. It's this big moustache guy. Was like, oh, the fuck you recognize me? I look. I I, I'm dealing with a situation just now, mate. He's yeah, like, you look like Fat Rambo, and I was a nice guy when I was a child. Fat you know, Rambo? Yeah, kind of. With a beard. And, you know, it's. With a beard? beard, yeah. Should you call your album that, Fat Rambo? Fat Rambo. I might come and expand that. That's a definite. Fat Rambo is great. And that wasn't even the weirdest experience of that, too. So. Barlow, yeah, yeah, it's so cool to tour, uh, you know, because you go and... Yeah, we love Europe. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You, you see all these sort of people. It, may, it makes you really, really appreciative when you get home alive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. have to yeah, go yeah. somewhere else where you might die. I'm back to camp, <laughs> to unload the gear. <coughs> well, the orange guys are practicing. Yeah. Well, that's, this has been a, a really death-defying chat. <laughs> um, Never even got to talk about Mogwai's records. Uh, <laughs> I haven't heard it yet, so we can talk about it if you want, but I can just go, yeah, I guess. I don't think it'll win as any friends. Ah. And we're struggling as it is. <laughs> just love you, Stuart. We love you. <laughs> Sign us. <laughs> Give me the money. Is there bring you the newspaper in the bed? Have you got a personal you got a personal message for us, Stuart? <laughs> I already told him I'm gonna bring you the newspaper in the bed like a dog. We did karaoke with Stuart about six months ago yeah. or something like that. It was a perfectly <coughs> pleasant experience for a birthday night out, absolutely. Die. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna ask for that I actually. Yeah, it's somebody not Stuart, but somebody in, in the party. Definitely not Stuart, but somebody in the party 
did insert an SM58 into the Renus. <laughs> and then very probably got then used for further karaoke by the yes. next group. So oh. someone did that. It was absolutely not well. us. We are not that kind of band. <laughs> we are like a pretty pedestrian band at best. We're like three beers. I'm pretty much ready. We've done good for bed. We're a coffee band actually. Yeah, yeah we're we enjoy our got coffee. A coffee problem if anything. Yeah. 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 Oh, so anything else you get? I've got to wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> There's one to that someone had an heart attack in that. In that party, in the karaoke. Team. Oh, the guy. Yeah, kind of. He didn't have a panic attack. He had a panic attack. Panic attack. Heart attack. Made it worse. Oh, they're not yeah. good. Uh, I mean, honestly, we, like, I, there's there's a lot of stuff. Yeah, we 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 once stayed at a place on that last tour where the guy had to drill the door open, and it was very much like it was in a right wing city in France that everybody was like, "Why did you play there? It's really dodgy." And Two tiers ago, didn't that? Two tiers. Is that two tiers ago? Two tiers ago. Yeah, that was that was super weird. We the guy, the guy scene. had written and directed the musical that was about a goblin that was taking over the earth, <laughs> and he played like Rick Wakeman esque. We like, no, 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 no. We could do a podcast, one podcast alone. <laughs> Just about one that show. <laughs> one, yeah. It was a, gra- it's a rabbit hole, man. We <laughs> can't get into this. It was a goblin as well in the venue before a real. Yeah, a real. Yeah, there were mannequins. There were <laughs> rabbits <laughs> for vegans. I have it on video. That that one show. That broke us nearly us broke us one. That nearly fucking broke us one. Feel free to get back to us on that one, man. We'll, 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 work, it, we'll work it out. There definitely should be a memoir coming sometime soon. <laughs> like, honestly, honestly, there, there, that tour alone had at least four really good stories on it. Mm. Really good stories. That's one of them. It would take too long to tell you. <coughs> I think it's a, a teaser for the next one. Is there anything else you guys want to say or you want to add before I finish? We will eventually record an album, we promise. What we booked uh, the studio, we booked uh, <coughs> the days, yeah. We... Oh, we've got a single like yeah, for the, the tour in October. We're doing a single, um, it's a split single with a band called Kabobo hmm. who are going to get thrown out of the UK as soon as, <laughs> as, soon as Brexit can reach. Hashtag Brexit, um, but yeah, we're going to do a single, uh, a song called Kirk Cadell, which was named by Jason, the guitarist that used to be in the band, um, and yeah, and it's going to be in vinyl, and we're doing it with gold mold, yeah. Um, and yeah, pretty chuffed about that. And then, like, honestly, the next thing after that is going to be the record. The record's written. We just need to find the time and the schedule. To yeah, we're going to do it in December. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. All the yeah. songs that we've, we're going to record as well. We've toured them so much that they're like, so ready to be recorded, and they're the, the kind of best versions of themselves. So. Are you sick of them yet? Uh, two tours ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nearly. No. And a couple of them. So just play a couple of them. I'm just jaded. Yeah. I'm just a jaded musician. You just trade them all in. <laughs> Get new equipment. <laughs> just, just, just play. Yeah, just, just a laptop. With more like equipment. I'll be a drum machine soon. I, just, I miss Jason. <laughs> yeah. I miss his stoicism. R.I.P. And his reliability and his punctuality. He was so punctual. <laughs> he was so punctual. <laughs> That's probably that. the last thing we can say about it. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Uh, gentlemen, it's been a total pleasure. Thanks, man. Uh, thank you very much. <laughs>
pretty stunning, to be honest. It was kind of like it was kind of like being inside a sci-fi film, I think, but with a lot more guitar and much, much heavier than any soundtrack. If you haven't heard them already, you definitely should go ahead and do that. You can go to their Bandcamp and download all their stuff, and I recommend doing that because it's really, really good. That's all for this episode. Thank you very much for listening. If you could take a wee second to give me a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, I would really appreciate that. And if you're a brand new listener to this podcast, please do subscribe to the podcast. You can do that by hitting the subscribe button in whatever podcasting app that you're currently using. I'm working on some new shows, not just for this, not just interviews for this podcast, but also another couple of shows which might come out in the next few weeks. They might not, I suppose you'll find out in due course. But yeah, it's going to be a busy few weeks, so hopefully I can have another interview for you in two weeks. But if not, there will be something in the feed for you anyway. And that's all for this episode. Thank you very much for listening once again. Until next time. Bye-bye.